writing specifically today Charles Bukowski's writing as we get into hot water music with hot lady I think last week I I was on the fence about whether or not I was going to read it and I might read the story after it too but last week I did a good job of rambling enough to where I didn't have to read two stories and see the thing is I'm trying to focus on short stories and some poetry here and there on the podcast because it's more cohesive. I can analyze it in a shorter amount of time. I really liked doing series on novels. However, the issue with that is, as I've said before, listenership would drop off and usually by half within the second episode. So a lot of people would listen to the first episode and then half of those people would come back for the second. And oddly enough, some people would listen to the third without listening to the second, and some would listen to the fourth without listening to the others. People are weird. It's like going to go see a sequel in a movie theater without ever having seen another movie in the series. So I am going over hot water music for several reasons, and I haven't really talked about it much, but Bukowski is an important writer to me, and he's an important writer in general. I've gone on and on about Bukowski, but one of the reasons why I'm doing more Bukowski is because there's a lot of content out there concerning Bukowski, but there's not a lot analyzing him on podcast, of course. And a lot of the YouTube videos I've seen where people reviewing his works weren't very good either. And I'm not saying that I'm spectacular at this, but I wanted to try my hand at it. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, I've done several episodes on Bukowski, and I've covered his novels. The only two novels of his that I have not covered are Pulp and Hollywood. I own a copy of Pulp. I've never actually sat down and read Pulp. I have read the first page, but I have some feelings about that book. Without ever having read it before, I am aware of the book, of course. I know the context of him writing the book. He was dying. And, you know, unlike his poetry, which stayed strong throughout his lifetime... Uh, A lot of people have mixed feelings about Pulp, so maybe I'll get around to reading it and talking about it on the podcast. I have not done Hollywood because while I like it, I don't think it's one of his stronger works. If you like Bukowski and you've read his other stuff, you should definitely read Hollywood, but it's not on the same level as his other novels. Some might disagree with that, that's perfectly fine, but I don't find it to be of the same quality. It is standard Bukowski in terms of structure and his portrayal of Henry Chinaski, but there's something to be said for successful Chinaski versus struggling Chinaski, and you all know what I'm talking about. I don't have a whole lot going on other than school and work. And I love the podcast because it gives me a reprieve from all that. 
I get to read something that isn't assigned for school, and I get to talk for a while, and people will listen to me. Often when I'm in a classroom setting and people are looking at me or pretending to listen, what comes out of my face seems to be gobbledygook. I was talking about Invisible Man in my African-American literature class. We are only reading Invisible Man this semester, so my professor is splitting it up in chunks rather than read the whole thing in two weeks like I did before in another grad class two years ago. We are doing a deep dive on this novel, and we're bringing in a lot of other text and Considering the context of the novel, the history of African Americans, etc. And getting your head into that book for that long period of time is weird. I'll say that. And I'll admit, I didn't like Invisible Man when I read it in 2019. But I had no context for it. My professor literally just assigned us text and very rarely assigned a secondary text text and as I said before I rarely read that shit but I have with Invisible Man I've read stuff that hasn't even been assigned to me to get a better grasp on Invisible Man I've listened to podcasts about Invisible Man I've listened to YouTube videos as if they were podcasts about Invisible Man so I'm trying to really get into that book but today we're not talking about Invisible Man we're talking about the man himself Charles Bukowski and the short story, Hot Lady. Monk walked in. It seemed very dusty in there and dimmer than in the usual places. He walked toward the far end of the bar and sat down next to a big blonde who was smoking a cigarillo and drinking a hams. She farted as Monk sat down. Good evening, he said. My name's Monk. My name's Mud, she said, which immediately dated her. I'm going to stop here. For those of you who came here trying to get a free audiobook, you're going to be very let down. Monk walked in. It seemed very dusty in there and dimmer than in the usual places. Let's talk about Bukowski's style. We've talked about Bukowski's style to death. How do you start a story? A lot of writers would not start it with Monk Walked In. If this were handed in to a creative writing class, a creative writing professor would circle that. Where did he walk into? Uh, do you want to give us some context? You know, shit like that. And then the farted thing. The fact that this is not your typical uh, Hollywood darling lady or liberal arts lady. This is a woman who has been in a bar probably half of her life. This is a real person. Maybe not mud, per se, but mud is representative of a lot of people. Not just men or women. People. And so, when she farts, she does not give a shit 
about who sits next to her. It could be Monk. It could be uh, James Cagney. It could be the President of the United States. She does not give a fuck. She's smoking her cigarillo, which is not common amongst women, by the way. In fact, allow me to give you a brief history of the cigarillo within our society. The first time I came upon the term cigarillo in my life was probably the system of a down song. And that term is sort of loaded. Let's say it's loaded because cigarillos come in several different qualities, let's say. Does that make sense? They come in several different qualities. I don't think that's a sentence, but we'll go with it. You have stuff you can buy at a gas station. You have stuff that you could import from another country. A cigarillo is supposedly just a smaller, thinner cigar. But in all actuality, it's more like a big cigarette without a filter that just tastes way better. Now, you may disagree with that, but I don't give a fuck. If you've ever smoked a cigar and also smoked a cigarillo, you know that they're not very much alike. So a cigar is very thick. When you buy it, you have to cut it in order to smoke it. Also, if you inhale too much of the smoke, you will get sick. I learned that the first time I tried to smoke a cigar. It's not pleasant to feel that sick. And when I mean sick, you feel like you're going to barf. So a cigarillo is very smooth. It's very easy to smoke. But most people don't use it for that. Most people these days use it to roll joints. So they buy a Swisher Sweet from the gas station. They cut out the tobacco and then they smoke it with weed or marijuana or however you'd like to phrase that. I've been told that I sound like a police officer when I refer to it as weed or marijuana or whatever. I assure you I am neither. However, back to the point. A cigarillo is not commonly smoked by women in general. Most of the people who smoke cigarillos with the tobacco in it are white guys. Very specific white guys, by the way. But maybe we'll get into that later. As Monk sat there, a skeleton rose from behind the bar where it had been sitting on a stool. The skeleton walked over to Monk. Monk ordered a scotch on the rocks, and the skeleton reached out with its hands and began to make the drink. It spilled a goodly bit of scotch on the bar, but it did manage the drink, and it did pick up Monk's money. But it put it in the register and bring back the correct change. This is a very interesting sentence. It spilled a goodly bit of scotch on the bar. Put it in the register and bring it back and bring back the correct change. Whew. What's the matter, Monk asked the lady. Can't they afford union help around here? Ah, fuck, said the lady. That's Billy's trick. Can't you see the fucking wires? He operates that thing with wires. He thinks it's very funny. This place is strange, said Monk. It stinks of death. Death doesn't sting, 
said the lady. Only the living stink. Only the dying stink. Only the decaying stink. Death doesn't stink. Sort of like saying fire doesn't have a smell. A spider dropped down on an invisible thread between them and slowly spun around. It was golden in the dim light. Then it ran back up its thread and was gone. First spider I ever saw on a bar, said Monk. It lives on bar fly, said the lady. Christ, this place is full of bad jokes. The lady farted. A kiss for you, she said. Thank you, said Monk. A drunk at the other end of the bar put some money in the jukebox, and the skeleton came out from behind the bar and walked up to the lady and bowed. The lady got up and danced with the skeleton. They danced around and around. The only people that could be seen in the bar were the lady, the skeleton, the drunk, and Monk. It was a slow night. Monk lit a palm mall and worked on his drink. The piece ended and the skeleton went back behind the bar. The lady came back and sat down beside Monk. The way that the lady dances with the skeleton makes me feel like she's part of the act, as if she's not really this bar fly, you know. She's just paid to be here and drink and look the way she does. <laughs> I remember, said the lady, when all the celebrities came in here, Bing Crosby, Amos and Andy, the Three Stooges, this place used to really swing. I like it better this way, said Monk. Jukebox started again. Get a dance? asked the lady. Why not? said Monk. They got up and began dancing. The lady wore lavender and smelled of lilacs, but she was quite fat and her skin was orange in color and her false teeth seemed to chew quietly on a dead mouse. Jesus. What does that even mean? <laughs> This place reminds me of Herbert Hoover, said Monk. Hoover was a great man, said the lady. Like hell, said Monk. If Frankie D hadn't come along, we would have all starved to death. Frankie D got us into the war, said the lady. Well, said Monk, he had to protect us from the fascist hordes. Don't tell me about the fascist hordes, said the lady. My brother died fighting Franco in Spain. Abraham Lincoln Brigade, asked Monk. Abraham Lincoln Brigade, said the lady. They were dancing very close, and the lady suddenly stuck her tongue into Monk's mouth. He pushed it back out with his tongue. She tasted like old postage stamps and the dead mouse. The song ended. They walked over and sat down. You know, in all my life, I've never had someone just try and kiss me by immediately sticking their tongue in my mouth. Usually what happens is they kind of test the waters a bit. You know, they kind of gently put their tongue through your lips to see if you're into that sort of thing. And, yeah. It's not something that you do immediately. At least, not in my experience. And... You know, granted, maybe my experience is limited, especially when it comes to dancing with women in bars. The skeleton walked 
over to them. It had vodka and orange in one hand. It stood in front of Monk and threw the vodka and orange into his face, then walked off. What's wrong with him? asked Monk. It's very jealous, said the lady. It saw me kiss you. You call that a kiss? I've kissed some of the greatest men of all time. I imagine you have, like Napoleon, Henry VIII, and Caesar, the lady farted. A kiss for you, she said. Thank you, said Monk. I guess I am getting old, said the lady. You know, we talk about prejudices, but we never talk about the prejudice everyone has against the old. Yeah, said Monk. I'm not really old, though, said the lady. No, said Monk. I still get monthly, said the lady. (laughs) Jesus Christ, I just cringed all over. Monk waved the skeleton over for two more drinks. The lady switched the scotch on the rocks. They both had scotch on rocks. The skeleton walked back and sat down. You know, said the lady, I was there when the babe had two strikes on him, and he pointed to the wall, and on the next pitch he hit the wall, right over the wall. I thought that was a myth, said Monk. Myth shit, said the lady. I was there. I saw it happen. You know, said Monk, that's wonderful. You know, it's exceptional people who make the world go round. They kind of work the miracles for us while we sit around on our fannies. Yeah, said the lady. They sat and nipped at their drinks. Outside, you could hear the traffic going up and down Hollywood Boulevard. The sound was persistent, like the tide, like waves, almost like an ocean. And it was an ocean. There were sharks out there and barracuda and jellyfish and octopi and suckerfish and whales and mollusks and sponges and grunion and the like. Inside, it was more like a separate fish tank. Yeah. We have this woman who's almost not real. I mean, obviously, Monk is attracted to her in some fashion, although he also finds her disgusting, and yet he stays there. He doesn't have to dance with her. He doesn't have to let her kiss him. And he's still kind of entertaining conversation with her. And yeah, I'm reading him as if he's a straight, the straight guy in this, if he's, as if he's not just another Bukowski barfly type. But I think that's fun. You know, I, I'd like to present a different feel for things but with her you know it's possible that she doesn't sound like this maybe she sounds like this and you know mid shit said the lady I was there I saw it happen or maybe she's even higher have you ever met a, a big lady who I don't I'm not fat shaming anyone but a larger proportioned person who just happens to be a lady. And she kind of has a voice like this. You know. I'm saying you know a lot. Maybe you don't know. Maybe I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't mean to assume anything about you. But come on. What do you know? You gotta come at me acting like I'm the ignorant here. Yeah, fuck you. Fuck 
you assuming shit about me. I'm not assuming anything about you. Yeah. Anyway. I was there, said the lady. When Dempsey almost murdered Willard. Jack was just off the box cars and mean as a starved tiger. You never saw anything like it before or since. You say you still have the monthlies? That's right, said the lady. They say Dempsey had cement or plaster in his gloves. They say he soaked them in water and let them harden. That's why he busted up Willard like he did, said Monk. That's a fucking untruth, said the lady. I was there. I saw those gloves. She's starting to sound like a boomer. I think you're crazy, said Monk. They thought Joan of Arc was crazy too, said the lady. I suppose you saw Joan of Arc get burned, said Monk. I was there, said the lady. I saw it. Bullshit. She burned. I saw it burn. It was so horrible and beautiful. What was beautiful about it? The way she burned. It started at her feet. It was like a nest of red snakes and they crawled up at her leg and then it was like a blazing red curtain. And she had her face turned up and you could smell the flesh burning and she was still alive. But she never screamed. Her lips were moving and she was praying but she never screamed. Bullshit, said Monk. Anybody would scream. No, said the lady. Not anybody would scream. People are different. Flesh is flesh and pain is pain, said Monk. You underestimate the human spirit, said the lady. Yeah, said Monk. The lady opened her purse. Here, I want to show you something. She took out a matchbook, struck a match, and held the palm of her left hand out. She held the match underneath her palm and let it burn until the match went out. There was the sweet smell of burnt flesh. That's pretty good, said Monk, but not the entire body. Doesn't matter, said the lady. The principle's the same. No, said Monk. It's not the same thing. Balls, said the lady. I crack myself up with this voice. Balls. I'm making it sound like Tom Waits. Alright, so what's about to happen is about to get a little graphic. So if you have any children listening to this, I'm going to call Child Protective Services on you. Just because you shouldn't be fucking listening. Like, you know what? It's none of your fucking business what I read on here. How about that? Look. I'm sorry that I had to get a little upset with you. Yesterday, I did not have a great day. I was mad half the day. And then I was very tired. And usually I'm not mad. I don't get that mad very often. But yesterday, I was pissed. And it just started one thing after another. I clock into work and immediately have a big project I have to work on that was just hoisted onto me. And then I had a bunch of things I had to respond to from a client that, oh, God, it's just frustrating. Okay, let's get into this.
She stood up and put a match on the hem of her lavender dress. The material was thin and gauze-like and the flames began to lick around her legs and then began to crawl up toward her waist. Okay, let's read that again. She stood up and put a match to the hem of her lavender dress. The material was thin and gauze-like and the flames began to lick around her legs and then began to crawl up toward her waist. Ladies and gentlemen, that's good writing. And Bukowski pulled it off. He has several ands in the same sentence. A lot of people wouldn't do that. So when anyone tells you that there are rules to writing, yes, you should learn the rules. Bukowski learned the rules. He read a lot of classics. He spent a lot of time in libraries. He understood the form, and that's why he was able to do what he did with it. He didn't just start writing, okay? Now, when people talk to me and they say they're interested in writing and they don't think they'll be any good at it, well, nobody's good at it at first. Just fucking do it. That's all you have to do. Just write it out. You can think about it later. Jesus Christ, said Monk. What the hell are you doing? Proving a principle, said the lady. The flames rose higher. Monk leaped off a stool and tackled the lady. He rolled her over and over on the floor and beat at her dress with his hands. Then the fire was out. The lady got back on her bar stool and sat there. Monk sat down beside her shaking. The bartender walked up. He was dressed in a clean white shirt, black vest, bow tie, stripped blue and white pants, stripped blue, striped blue and white pants. I'm sorry, I'm from the South. I'm sorry, Maud, he said to the lady, but you gotta go. You've had enough for tonight. Okay, Billy, said the lady, and she finished her drink and got up and walked over to, out the door. Before she did, she said goodnight to the drunk at the other end of the bar. My God, said Monk. She's too goddamn much. Did she pull her Joan of Arc act again? asked the bartender. Hell, you saw it, didn't you? No, I was talking to Louie. He pointed to the drunk at the end of the bar. I thought you were upstairs working those wires. What wires? What? The, the wires on the skeleton. What? What skeleton? asked the bartender. Now, come on, said Monk. Don't give me any shit. What are you talking about? There was a skeleton in here serving drinks. He even danced with Maud. I've been here all night, stranger, said the bartender. I said, don't give me any shit. I'm not giving you any shit, said the bartender. He turned to the drunk at the end of the bar. Hey, Louie, you seen a skeleton in here? A skeleton? asked Louie. What are you talking about? You tell this man that I've been here behind the bar all night, said the bartender. Billy's been here all night, stranger, and neither of us has seen a skeleton. Give me another scotch on the rock, said Monk. Then I've got to get out of here. 
Wonder why professors never assign that for reading in class. I'll never know. The next story is called It's a Dirty World. I drove along Sunset late one evening, stopped for a signal, and at a bus stop saw this dyed redhead with a brutal and ravaged face, powdered, painted, that said, This is what life does to us. I could imagine her drunk, screaming across the room at some man, and I was glad the man wasn't me. She saw me looking at her and waved. Hey, how about a ride? Okay, I said. She ran across two lanes of traffic to get in. We drove her along and she showed me a bit of leg. Not too bad. I drove not saying anything. I want to get to Alvarado Street, she said. I fear as much. That's where they hung out. From 8th and Alvarado and on up. The bars across the park and around the corners. All the way up to where the hill began. I sat in those bars for quite a few years and knew the action. Most of the girls just wanted to drink and place to stay. In those dark bars, they didn't look too bad. We approached Alvarado. Can I have 50 cents? She asked. I reached in and got two quarters. I ought to be able to cop a fuel for that. She laughed. Go ahead. I pulled her dress back and pinched her gently where the stocking ended. I almost said, shit, let's get a fifth and go back to my place. I could see myself stabbing that thin body. I could almost hear the springs. Then I could see her Later, sitting in a chair, cursing and talking and laughing, I passed. It's interesting that he uses the word stabbing. Yesterday, I watched the movie Split for the third time. And I have quite a story to tell you about Split if you ever want to hear it. Okay, I'll tell you. So, last year, I had a really hard time. And I know this is a diversion from the short story, but get over, it's my podcast. And I'm going to get to the point, but I was friends with someone, very close friends, very quickly. I was not in the best state of mind, and they were not exactly helping me. I thought they were, because that's what you do when you delude yourself. Hey, I wonder what I use that word for later on. They were into psychology, and so the topic of Split came up because I wanted to watch it while my wife was gone for the day, and they said, I hate how they portrayed him in that movie, and they went on a whole rant about it, and so I was like, okay, whatever. This person, I mean, they got worked up, and it showed me a side of them that I had not seen before, and I'd been friends with them for a few months. And that's usually when you can see beyond the cracking of the paint or the wallpaper, you know. See inside. What's really there. Because any friendship, relationship, whatever, it's always an act at first. People are showing you their best. Once I saw beyond that person, 
giving me hell over this movie Split for no fucking reason. It's not like they knew someone who had multiple personality disorder, which isn't even what he has. He has something else that's more specific. And it's also a work of fiction, and it's not meant to represent anyone who actually suffers from schizophrenia or multiple personalities or what have you. But that point kind of eluded this person. I didn't really feel the same way. So I got to thinking about everything that we'd, we'd spoken about, and I was reevaluating my life and my relationships. I came to the conclusion that this person was not actually good for me. And it hurts when you realize that a person that you let into your life is actually toxic because you don't always see the red flags at first. Sometimes there are no red flags. And with Bukowski in the story, well, he's already seen all the red flags. He sees it as soon as he looks at this person because... He's been around in the stabbing. In the movie Split, there's a scene where James McAvoy's character is with this young girl, and he has a knife, and he presses it to her belly. And I'm thinking, wow, this is very phallic. There's no scene where he rapes them. However... There's kind of a suggestion of that. There's this part where he's fixing Anya Taylor-Joy's hair and she makes this motion, this noise out of pain, but it sounds kind of like an orgasm. I'm not trying to be perverted. And then she makes a, a face after that. Not immediately after making that noise, mind you. It's as if she's silently in pain. But you don't get that feeling. And the English, the English major in me was, was looking at that. I'm like, oh my God, it, this is like a metaphor for him raping these girls. And Anya Taylor-Joy's character is almost into it. I mean, we know from the movie uh, Glass that she has feelings about this guy. She doesn't think he's a, a total monster. She doesn't want him to die for what he did, even though he does murder two of her quote-unquote friends. So stabbing as a term or as an image is very phallic in nature. And that's literally what you're doing. You're penetrating flesh when a penis enters a vagina. It sounds so wrong, doesn't it? But to use that term, it's very specific. And it's like, almost as if he knows that if he took this woman home, it's not a mutually beneficial thing. I mean, she gets a place to stay, but there's more to, to humanity than having a roof over your head for one night isn't there? This story is good to read on your own because it's sort of like a slice of life in the grimy bits of LA. I'm skipping ahead a little bit. I decided to walk across Alameda to buy some stamps. 
The traffic was heavy and they had a young cop directing traffic. There was some action going on. A young man in front of me kept hollering, Come on, let us across. What the hell? We've been standing here long enough. The cop kept waving the traffic through. Come on, what the hell's wrong with you? The kid yelled. This kid's got to be nuts, I thought. He was nice looking, young, big, around 6'3", 200 pounds. White t-shirt, nose a little bit too big. He might have a few beers, but he wasn't drunk. Then the cop blew his whistle and motioned for the crowd to cross. Kid stepped into the street. All right, come on, everybody, it's safe now, it's safe to cross. That's what you think, kid, was my thought. The kid was waving his arms. Come on, everybody. I was walking right behind him. I saw the cop's face. It was very white. I saw the eyes narrow to slits. He was a short, heavy-set young cop. He moved toward the kid. Oh, Jesus. Here it comes. Kid saw the cop move toward him. Don't you touch me. Don't you dare touch me. The cop grabbed him by the right arm, said something to him, tried to guide the kid back to the curbing. Kid broke the grip and walked off. Cop ran up behind him, got a hammer lock on the kid. The kid broke out of that, and then they were scuffling, whirling around. You could hear their feet in the street. People stood and watched from a distance. I was right on top of them. Several times I had to step back as they scuffled. I didn't have any goddamn sense either. Then they were up on the sidewalk. Cop's hat flew off. That's when I got a bit jumpy. Cop didn't look much like a cop without his cap. But he still had his club and his gun. Kid broke away again and started to run off. Cop leaped on him and got an arm around his neck and tried to pull him over backwards, but the kid just stood there. And then he broke free. Finally, the cop had him pinned against an iron guardrail outside a standard station parking lot. A white kid and a white cop. I looked across the street and saw five young blacks grinning and watching. They were lined up against the wall. cop had his cap back on and was leading... The kid down the street to a call box. I went in and got my stamps out of the machine. It was a screwy night. I almost expected a snake to drop out of there. But I just got stamps. I looked up and saw my friend Benny. Did you catch the action, Benny? Yeah. When they get him to the station, they'll put him on leather gloves and beat the hell out of him. You think so? Sure. The city's just like the county. They beat the hell out of them. I just got out of the new county jail. They let the new cops work on the prisoners there to get the experience. You could hear them screaming as the cops beat them. They brag about it. Wow. I was in one. One cop walked past and said, I'll beat the fucking hell out of you, wino. I've heard about it. They allow you one phone call 
and this guy was on the phone too long, and they kept telling him to get off. He kept saying, just a minute, just a minute. And finally, one cop got pissed and hung the phone up, and the guy screamed, I've got my rights, you can't do that. What happened? About four cops grabbed the guy. They took him so fast that his feet didn't even touch the ground. They took him to the next room. You could hear him. They worked him over good. You know, they had us there bending over, looking up our asses, looking in our shoes for dope, and they brought the kid out naked, and he was bent over and trembling, shivering. You could see the red welts all over his body, and they just left him there, trembling against the wall. He really had it. Yeah, I said. I was driving past a Union rescue mission one night, and two cops and a squad car were picking up a drunk. A cop got in the back seat with the drunk, and I heard the drunk say, You dirty motherfucking cop! And I saw the cop take his club and jam the end of it hard right into the guy's stomach. It was a hell of a blow. It made me a little sick. It could have broken the stomach open or caused internal bleeding. Yeah, it's a dirty world. You said it, Benny. See you around. Watch yourself. Sure, you too. I found the car and drove on back up Sunset. When I got to Alvarado, I turned south and drove down nearly to 8th Street. I parked, got out, and found a liquor store. Bought a fifth of whiskey. Then I walked into the nearest bar. There she was. My redhead with the brutal face. I walked up, patted the fifth. Let's go. She finished the drink and walked out behind me. Nice evening, she said. Oh, yeah, I answered. When we got to my place, she went to the bathroom and I rinsed out two glasses. There's no way out, I thought. There's no way out of anything. She came to the kitchen. The kitchen put herself up against me. She had put on fresh lipstick. She kissed me, whipped her tongue around in my mouth. I lifted her dress and got a handful of panty. We stood under the electric light, locked. Well, the state would have to wait a little longer for their income tax. Maybe the governor would understand. We broke. I poured two drinks and we walked into the other room. I'm pleased that you took the time to listen today. And I'd, I'd love to hear from some people. I don't always hear from people that listen to the podcast. I'd love to hear what you think. Or you think I, I should do. Any suggestions you may have. I appreciate all input. Unless you say I suck. In which case I'm probably going to block you. Anyway, I have other things to do other than talk to you today. It's been fun. It's been enlightening, sure. This has been Patrick Attaway with Demise of the Podcast. Happy reading. Happy weekend.